Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Welcome, everybody. It is Friday. It is the one o'clock hour, which means only one thing. The Veteran Founder Podcast is live. I am your host, Josh Carter. Uh, Carmen is off this week, but uh, hopefully we'll have her back this uh, next week. Uh, if you are f- unfamiliar with the show, if you're new to us, welcome. Uh, we typically take the next hour and we talk to a veteran, an entrepreneur who's doing remarkable things. And this week, we have Air Force veteran Dan, Dan Brillman, who's the co-founder and CEO of Unite Us. And we'll talk a little bit about that platform, but uh, Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for popping in. Uh, I want to get right into it because you know I, we want to hear the story of Dan Brillman first. So we want to hear a little bit about what what was that notion for you? What was that thing inside you that said I'm going to join the Air Force? Wow, uh, that's a good question. So I'll give a little bit of my my background um, because you know my my family was not really military focused. I didn't know much about the military um, until I got to college. But I grew up in Philadelphia. Um, was an athlete kind of growing up. I went to Yale University, um, which didn't really have an ROTC program or anything really focused on, on the military, um, you know, from the Vietnam to, to the present. Uh, now they do have an ROTC. But uh, in my senior year, um, I, I got injured. I was a lacrosse player. So I actually went to the airport and started getting flying lessons um, because I was always fascinated with flying. Um, and I was always fascinated with public service, um, but not necessarily, you know, military. Um, and my, my instructor at the airport happened to be a, a, a very um, a older Marine Corps colonel um, in, the, in the Marine Corps Reserves. Uh, and he was a great guy, became a mentor to me and really taught me how to fly. Then that was my first introduction um, to really flying you know, my own plane. Uh, as I was graduating, I was in the finance in, in New York, um, a very traditional path and, uh, from, for Yale University. Um, it didn't really feel like a passion, didn't know it was going to be a passion, um, but I pursued it anyway, went to New York and, and worked in finance. But it, what stuck in the back of my head was this, this colonel really taught me about military service and, um, you know, what it meant to, to serve in the uniform um, and not necessarily just active duty in your whole career, but as a reservist in your community, but also going to serve, um, you know, once a month and, and really being beholden to the military. And I got to New York. I worked in New York for a few years. Um, and then I said, I, I don't think I can do this forever. Um, and, and what was sticking in the back of my head was how do I, how do I get back um, to my community? How do, I, how do I get back to my country? And at the same time, really um, pursue my passion of flying. Um, and that's when I joined the Air Force Reserves, which I, uh, I still serve today and a major, uh, major in the Air Force Reserves. Um, my first five or six years was very active and deployed to the Middle East, but really um, it was around happenstance of meeting folks that have uh, driven my, my path to the military. That's amazing. So you're still serving. That's awesome. I, I, I love that. How do you balance running an organization <laughs> like Unite Us and, you know, say, for example, having to drill uh, as part of the reserves? Yep. How, how does that balance work for you? Yeah, so I had to drill in a couple hours um, and drill this weekend. So um, it's a great, it, it's a good balance. It's, it, you know, it's not the easiest thing. Um, you know, I have my family, I have my work, I have the military, 
Um, so a lot of, a lot of different jobs, if you will. Uh, and so it is a good balance only in the fact that because it's a family um, in the reserves, everyone does have a civilian life. Um, and your family comes first, your work comes second, and the military does come third. Um, and so that is a great portion of that. You know, being a pilot at the end of the day is a lot of work, um, but uh, I've been doing it for 11 years now, so I've gotten kind of, you know, into that, into that rhythm. Um, it's not a, a great easy balance, but they've been very forgiving with me because I, I do have an unnatural path as an Air Force Reservist. The majority of the people I serve with um, serve as airline pilots um, in their civilian world. So it is an easier balance to switch back in, in between, um, kind of doing the same operation and same occupation, uh, just putting on a kind of a different uniform. But they've worked really well with me, um, and I've, I've stayed out of uh, the deployment zones for several years, which is good, um, and, and trying to do that uh, because our company is growing so rapidly. But it is a family. You're there for your whole career, and they take care of you. That's great to hear. I, I love it. Uh, so I'm going to cover the, the first commercial break. Uh, is that cool? Mm-hmm. Perfect. So today's episode of the Veteran Startup Podcast is brought to you by Publicize, deconstructed PR subscription service, which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize has broken down PR into a modular setup, keeping quality high and simply charging fees for the targeted PR you require. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. So we're talking to Dan Broman. He's the co-founder and CEO at Unite Us. I want to get into Unite Us a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about what the uh, what your company does and sort of why the why this why like how did you come up with this as being a pain point? Sure, absolutely. So, uh, United started in in 2013. I'll give the background a second, um, but really our mantra is what's called building healthier communities together, right? And it's really around the software that connects healthcare, government, and social services. Uh, that allow organizations that serve people's needs and improve their health to work together in real time. Um, the uh, the company started in 2013 um, with Taylor, Andrew, and my and myself out of personal pain points. And I'll go back to my my history a little bit. After my first deployment to the Middle East, I came home um, and went to Columbia Business School. Um, was going to get an MBA, uh, and in my second year people started calling me that I served in the Middle East with. A lot of them were reservists, went back to their towns and around the country, went back to their civilian jobs. Um, and because they thought I was a smart guy, which I, I really don't feel I am, they thought I could answer their health and human service issues. So some of them had problems accessing the VA because they weren't eligible. A lot of people think veterans are just, you know, that's where they go for their health care. It's not really true. They, the majority of them get care from private health care. And so how, you know, helping them access different types of healthcare was one thing. Then a lot of social service needs um, started coming up. So access to mental behavioral health services, housing issues. Some people couldn't afford their rent because they weren't making enough money and their families were going to get displaced out of their house and evicted. So that became an illegal issue. And all of this happened because there was employment issues. So it wasn't just one thing that was needed. It was all these different needs all at the same time. And the real problem was I could not help one of them. I didn't know what was out there. I literally thought this was taken care of by the delivery system and, or the government or the healthcare delivery system. And so what I started doing was trying to help my brothers and sisters and started looking at what was available. So I started looking online and what was available was kind of these resource directory, these yellow pages of what's available. I started calling agencies in Alabama and Miami and California 
And what they would say is, sorry, I can't help this person. You know what? But call my call my friend over here at this organization. I think they can help him or her. Um, so I started what what's called getting these referrals. They started referring me to their trusted partners that they built relationships with over time. And it became so frustrating um, by doing that that I couldn't help one of them. But I said, I have to fix this, right? This is a real problem. This should be fixed. Technology was booming um, in 2011, 2012 when I was in business school. And there had to be a way where technology can deliver this in a better way. And that was um, where we kind of started um, solving the problem. Taylor, um, our co-founder, Andy, were working together. And Taylor was a West Point graduate. He was in the Army infantry and was medically discharged. So he came from it from a different aspect. He had personal uh, pain points transitioning into the civilian world. Um, but he could fall back on his West Point network to kind of, you know, to get his feet in a new community. And um, at the same time, he started a chapter of a nonprofit called Team Red, White and Blue in Philadelphia as a volunteer. Um, and that was an organization or is an organization that does social and physical activity that brings the community together. And really, uh, you know, lo and behold, people would show up and families would show up and, and have needs right outside of what he could solve as an organization. And so he would start managing this on an Excel sheet and try to connect people with resources. Um, and they were always co-occurring at the same time. At the end of the day, it was so hard to track where he was sending people, what actually happened, and did they fall through the cracks or not, that he was frustrated as well. And so we came together, we met randomly. Um, I was sitting in a hotel room doing an alert mission um, basically, I have to go to my airplane with again, be in the air within an hour, and you know, rarely do we actually have to go do it. So I was just sitting there, kind of bored, and got an email, uh, which I got all the time, um, to help Columbia um, solicit or get veterans into Columbia Business School um, and recruit them. And one of the people that was looking was Taylor Justice, our co-founder. And so I just happened to call him, talk about Columbia Business School, and then we just started talking about our two different problems. I was writing a white paper on this; he was solving this in the community. And we said, wow, we really have to solve this. We talked for five hours, met the next day and said, you know, there needs to be a solution in the market for this. And not just for veterans, but for really the whole nation and the whole world is people should be connected around their needs. Access should be much easier than, than it is today. And this isn't, you know, this is a big problem to solve, but technology and our services around it and how we build what we call coordinated networks is really possible. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, Jeff Lawson has this quote, and he says it often, if a problem can be brought into software, uh, that problem can be solved. And I think you guys epitomize that, like, to a T. You guys are trying to find these ways that these connected tissues can, can help a community, and I think that's great. Um, so when you started this in 2012, how did you get going? How did you figure out what niche you were going to, like, I, I sort <laughs> yeah. of say, like, what lane did you pick? Yeah, man, that's a good question. So at the end of the day, you know, we still always had the same mission. Uh, the question is, how do we get that done, right? And so in any startup and, and, and solving any problem, right, you have to try and fail and try and fail. Um, and so to get something started as soon as possible, you know, we basically presented resources to um, publicly and allowed veterans and their families um, to search resources and discuss with each other. And at the end of the day, we, you know, within probably 40 days, we were like, wow, this is not going to work. Um, at the end of the day, they have to go navigate on their own to these resources. And it's going to be the same problem that we've been you know, almost exacerbating by trying to connect people ourselves. Right. And so we basically said, we are not doing this. We are actually really going to focus on B2B software that allows these public, private, nonprofit agencies to connect with each other in real time in a HIPAA compliant, secure way and track this client across uh, across the community 
with obviously their consent and 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 the protection of their data, right? Because I'm a veteran, I really and you care about security and privacy around that, and ensure that that veteran doesn't have to tell their story a hundred times every time they show up to an organization. And we started with the military community because we knew it really well, right? That's where we come from. We knew you know you read the news about the uh, the, the problems that the systems face this population, and we also see this population as the perfect petri dish of American society, right? Every age, race, demographic, um, and it's really almost population agnostic because it's everyone um, and looks like everyone. Um, so it's not just, hey, Medicaid, criminal justice involved, Medicare. Um, and, you know, so a lot of people try to push people into these populations. Veterans are people, right? They have needs. They have specialized resources sometimes that serve them. Um, but nonetheless, the agencies that serve them, really, most of them serve a lot of people. There are a lot of veterans, specific nonprofits. But what we found is when we started building these networks that had these agencies working together, the majority didn't just serve veterans, they served everyone. And this problem was much bigger than we thought. And the solution could be applied to many different use cases. And that's what we've done. So in the news, there's a lot of uh, back and forth about the VA needing to catch up into the 21st century. How does Unitas play a part in all of that? Yeah, great question. And, you know, I, a lot of people, you know, boohoo the VA. Um, <laughs> my, my point about the VA, is they, they're doing the best that they can. No, you absolutely. go to, into a VA, um, the people really care and the employees care. The problem is it's federal, right? And anything federal that it's big and bureaucratic, it's $168 billion a year in a budget, you know, they're gonna move slow. It's a big tanker, right? It's hard for them to just be agile and pivot and do that when everyone's kind of a government worker. And, and so at the end of the day, they do care though. And the problem is they're just built with systems that do not take into account how to serve veterans the best and where they need them. And it's not just a VA problem that we see now. Healthcare systems in the private sector and governments, and, and, and they all have the same problem. We see this time and time again. Um, so where we fit in with the VA and any organization really for the for, uh, first and foremost is we're helping them transform what they do and try to move that shift one degree at a time. Um, you know, you're not going to boil the ocean overnight with the VA system. And so where we have our most success is not in D.C. It's locally at the VA centers with the social workers and the case managers and docs who meet with veterans every day, uncover these needs and don't know what to do. And that's really where we fit in to help move that ship. And that's how we change lives more rapidly than what we would do by going to Congress or going down to D.C. all the time and trying to change it at the ship level. Um, we're changing at the person level and how we integrate VA facilities and where people get their care or in VBA where they get their benefits and really interconnect those people locally where actually care and services are delivered. So the military is an easy community for you guys to, to service because, you know, as you said, you guys are military folks. What other communities do you think this is valuable for and, and what's next for Unitas? Yeah, so we're already there. Um, the good thing is we've expanded way beyond that. Um, and we've taken what the work that we've done with the military community and educated the general population. So the broader healthcare market, the, broad, you know, the governments, how to do this work. Um, because we've done it well and perfected it with veterans. I mean, we have a lot of work to do, but we've done it really well. And it's a way, it, it, it's a structured uh, way and an infrastructure proposal of how we actually change this in the broader healthcare market. So, you know, when we got to about 2015, we had a couple thousand users on our platform, meaning that they were doctors and social workers and case managers who then started saying, hey, by the way, 
I don't just serve veterans, I serve everyone else. Can you do this for me with this other pop, you know, you know, other population, Medicaid as an example, right? Um, you know, uh, particularly they're, you know, low income, high need, um, underemployed, and those types of folks are, uh, have, multi, you know, a co-occurring need that need to take care of their family and they want to be better off. And the, the healthcare system wants to save money, right? They want to keep them out of the hospital for things that they shouldn't go to the hospital for and get those services in the community that have been there for hundreds of years. Um, and so we actually expanded into the broader healthcare market several years ago with the same problem set, same solution set, um, just a different way to talk to them because it's a different population um, set and, and, and how they look at that. So fast forward, um, you know, we did a lot of work in the veteran space. We continue to grow that in a big way. Um, and that is it, it's going to continue to grow. But we were rapidly growing in the healthcare market. So now fast forward, we're working in over 42 cities and for communities across the country, I think 18 states. Um, and it's not all veteran work. So it includes healthcare. So meaning that the healthcare delivery system, so insurers and systems have the same problem and they procure and they, we work with them as partners to do the same work we've done for veterans. Um, governments. So governments have said, wow, we want to offer this to our constituents. Um, and we also, you know, pay the health plans and the systems on, on, on how they provide care. And so governments have procured this as a large-scale infrastructure of how they serve their entire population, not just Medicaid, not just veterans, but everyone. So the state of North Carolina is one where we work across the entire state with every organization from healthcare and government and social services. And then we also work a little bit in, in criminal justice. So if you think about um, you know, the, the transition from military to civilian, there's a transition where it's kind of a black box, right? You're in the military, everything's kind of done for you, then you leave into the civilian sector, and then you're on your own to navigate. Um, the criminal justice system has actually had some very big correlations in the sense that you get involved in the criminal justice system, then you're discharged out into the community, and you don't really have that support system um, to, to, to get you back on your feet. And so the problem and the solutions have become very similar. So, so many correlations between that, and that's how we've expanded way outside of just the veteran uh, market itself. Well, it's interesting. I, you know, I've always told people, when you ask, when you talk, first talking to a veteran, what's the first question you ask a veteran? Right? How long were you in? Right? It's the same yep. question you ask a, a, a you know somebody that's been incarcerated. Right. Uh, and, and so, to your point, there are a lot of parallels. We get three hots in a cot. We get somebody that tells us what our day is going to be like, and there's a very structured hierarchy. So, totally understand those parallels. Um, so, the the thing that I, as you were talking about this, it got me thinking about like you are genuinely building a, this monolithic infrastructure that could sort of navigate sort of uh, agnostically how, how do yep. you how do you handle that kind of load uh and also is there is there a concern for privacy like how much have you guys focused on uh making that uh a trustworthy platform so that people people's anxieties are yeah. are mitigated oh, right great, great great question um so you know as we scale like we we've we set our technology up to ensure that privacy is the number one concern for Unite Us. We care about the privacy of the patient. That is what HIPAA, right? If people hear about HIPAA, which is the biggest law around protected health information, that law is driven because around the patient's ability 
um, to manage the privacy of their information, right? And you get to direct me as a patient, direct where I want that information shared. It's not that anyone could just share information about me without my consent. I need consent to do that. So the way we built the platform um, is that there's thousands and thousands of permissions in our platform um, because in order to get healthcare, government, and social services to work together, it has to be compliant, right? It has to be the most you know compliant system that uh, that is available because people need to trust the system, right? Not just veterans or the people that are getting the services, but the people that are using the system as well. Um, one thing that we built in the system that is a mandatory process is the client, the veteran, the patient has to consent digitally with a signature that they are okay sharing information with organizations just only in order to get them services, not to sell their information, not to do anything else, but to get them services for what they need at that time. Then we control all the permissions behind the scenes of who can see what. So we give basically turnkeys like a blockchain of who can see what based on who you are within that organization and what you need to see or what you do not need to see. Um, so that's what we control on our end through our, our permissions engine to make sure that we ensure that we keep that person's information as private only to the people that really need to see it on a need to know basis in order to get them the right services that they need. Um, so that is first and foremost, I'm a veteran, that's where we started. And I would never want my information shared with anyone that shouldn't be shared with. I wanna direct where I wanna get services and, and be able to consent to that. Um, and that's what we built in the platform to ensure that is fully compliant. That's great. Well, that's. I, it sounds like you guys are, you know, doing a good job uh, because of the fact that you guys are simply growing. I mean, that's a a byproduct of trust, right? Yep, absolutely. So we're gonna take a, another quick break. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their re team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting up your business apart today. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio or sign up to better or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100. Use promo code StartupRuby and tell them Josh and, and uh, Carmen sent you. We are here with Dan Brillman, co-founder, CEO in Unitas. I want to talk a little bit. I know we have uh, about 15 minutes left. I want to start talking about some of the lessons that you learned in this journey because a lot of my listeners are people that are entrepreneurs. They want Want to get into this journey and they're trying to glean some sort of lessons that you ha have to impart on them. So mm -hmm. the first question I have is what in your military career has connected you and been been the sort of the driving force function uh, to allow you to be an entrepreneur? Like what have you learned from being in the military? Sure. Um, I mean, one is persistence. Um, that is obviously a, a good one. Um, I mean, the leadership skills uh, that I've learned in the military have been first and foremost a, a great transition into being a leader in the community as well. Um, and then also really learning how to fail and overcome, right? You know, in training, that's really what it's all about. It's fail and repeat, fail and repeat until you get it right, um, even before you touch an airplane. Um, and so those are the things that being an entrepreneur, that's what it's all about. Like you are not going to get it perfect day one. You're not going to get a perfect day 100 or 1,000. Um, right, it is an iterative process of how you bring new things, whether that's technology, a product, hardware, into the market. Um, it is an iterative process, and you need to be able to be flexible and be able to think outside the box to really get things done. Um, the other thing that's, I think, the most important thing around what I've learned in the military is you cannot do it yourself. 
Um, and I think in every branch, I'm in the Air Force, I don't know about the rest, but I assume they talk about teamwork, right? And I get that when we hire veterans, that is what it's all about. Um, you know, and we noticed that very early on that Taylor, Andrew and myself, we cannot do this alone. And you need people that are smarter than you that come with tangible benefits that are just smarter than you in many things that you cannot do well. And they complement you to be able to get something done to execution. Uh, and that's my final point is getting to execution, right? In the military, we love to get things done. It is a mission and we need to have that thing called mission complete, right? MC is what I check the box every time I land the plane. And that's what it means um, to complete a mission. And that's what our our vision is, um, is to continue looking at what is uh, how to get that mission complete. And that's that's the people that we hire. That's awesome. I love that that mentality, and, and it's and it's not unique. I, I think you know I'm I'm a Navy vet, and uh, you know same thing. You get on the ship, and you have your job, whether it's chipping paint or plotting a course, and everything has its purpose, and uh, right. and you get it done, and you get it done. I love that. Um, so talk to me a little bit about it's these early days at Unitas. You talked a little bit about sort of like figuring out what that first group was, but if if I'm an entrepreneur and I have this idea for a business. What do you think the first step I should take would be in order to make sure that I'm growing from this idea to, you know, building a business? Yeah. So the first thing I think is to is to get every thought out of out of your brain and get it on paper. Um, you know, having all of these thoughts, everyone has really good ideas, um, and veterans have tons of good ideas. And again, kind of going back to the the execution is how am I going to execute on this, right? And there are many factors that go into that. And all those have to get on paper. Um, so that comes from what is this idea? At the end of the day, what problem am I solving? So starting there, literally what problem am I solving? Um, that could go to Snapchat, right? People don't like sending text messages that are permanent. So Snapchat built something that, was a, that solved a problem. Um, and, and then what is the solution? Um, and what is the solution in what market, right? Don't try to boil the ocean all at once. Let's prove something somewhere um, and a good example of that is Amazon, right? Amazon is a beast and they didn't start out as a beast. They sold books. That's all they did. And that's literally all they did really, really well for many years. All of a sudden they got it really right. They said, why don't we just start selling other things and started building a supply chain around all these other things. And so from a solutions perspective, get the problem documented, get the solution documented. And then how do I actually deliver on this? So if it's a hardware, if it's a software, right, whatever it is, how am I going to actually build it? If you're an engineer, great. I am not an engineer, so that means I have to hire engineers. And that gets into funding. So how am I going to fund this? There are many different ways to, uh, to fund, um, you know, your ideas. First and foremost, we started with, you know, angel investments. You know, who's bought into this idea? So going full circle, if I've documented all those things, the problem, the solution, who am I selling it to, and whether that's for free or not, how am I getting it to the market, and how am I going to prove success is how you get off the ground. It is not, you know, you definitely have to have the long-term vision where I want to go, and that's going to pivot 9,000 times, but you need to get that documented first before you do anything, and then start shopping it to your close friends, right? Come over for beers, you meet, you know, someone, say, hey, take a look at this idea, you think this would work? Right. And then start gathering feedback on that to see if it is an actual solution in the market. Right. At the end of the day, people are going to use something. Do they think it's viable to use? 
Yeah, I, I think that's great advice. You mentioned funding, and I want to talk a little bit about that because, you know, I, I, you know, I've been a startup founder and I've taken funding, and I have my own opinions about whether taking investment or bootstrapping a business is, you know, the pros and cons of both. Um, mm-hmm. When you were going out to raise your early rounds, what was the story that you think was so compelling that the, your angel investors had to invest? Yeah, so I think angel investors invest in a couple of things. One is the person or the entrepreneurs. Um, so, you know, integrity, trust, um, those types of things are obviously important. So it's about 50%, my guess, and I invest in a lot of things, is the entrepreneur, right? Uh, do I have the confidence that they can execute on what they're talking about? Meaning that, are they going to be able to pivot and say, oh, I didn't pri- find product market fit here, but I actually can go apply here and do that um, and not give up, right? So 50% is, is on the entrepreneur, and then 50% is the idea. So is the idea viable um, and, and, what that lo- and what that idea looks like and how are you going to go execute on that idea? For us, this, the problem set that we came to the table with was so big, right? And what we thought about was we live in New York City. This is where 211,000 veterans and 200,000 family members are just in the five boroughs. Can we prove that organizations can work together, right? Even two organizations would prove that, that this will work. And then, you know, we had to prove that. So we did bootstrap, you know, ourselves um, and at least get an MVP going. Obviously, the more you have, the better it is. Um, you know, we almost had a napkin, but, uh, you know, a pen and, and a napkin, but we had a little bit more than that. Um, and so get as much as you can done um, because we had something to present. Um, and now we didn't have the whole solution or probably enough to even raise money, but people believed in us. So we had that other 50% that they believed that we can go execute on it. Um, and they really believed that our vision was so big and the opportunity was so big that the other 50% that we, the entrepreneurs could go figure it out. That's great. I love it. So how big is United now? Like you guys, I was looking through your website. You guys have a pretty good sized team now. Yeah, we are over 50, might be 60 or so, Um, and we have a couple offices, now one in North Carolina, we're opening one on the West Coast, Um, and we're going to be, I think we're hiring almost 30 people right now, so it should be 100 by the end of the year. Oh my goodness, that is awesome, Dan. Um, So last question, and I always ask this of every entrepreneur, because we all have these moments that... I've fucked up and I'm not going to do that again. What was that? <laughs> oh boy. What was that moment for you? What was that moment for me? Wow. That's a good question. I, I think I've had a lot of those. Um, <laughs> As most founders but, have, right? Like <laughs> a lot of founders have that fucked up moment, but like the one so thing I that I'm never going to do that again. The one thing that I'm never going to do again um, is try to do too many things. Um, so, you know, in the earlier uh, in this segment, I, I said you got to find people that are smarter than you it was hard to let go of some things that I thought I did the best at the end of the day, the biggest failure or something on a few things was letting that stuff go. And, and, you know, I knew that people could do it better than me. I just didn't want to let it go. Like, because I, you know, as military folks, we just love doing things and it's hard to, to let those things go. The biggest failure was being a little late in that. Um, you know, people telling me you shouldn't be doing those things. You need to let those other people do those things. I think that was the biggest failure. And now I am like the total opposite. It's like, I don't want to do those things as I am probably the worst at it. So, um, and let everyone else do those, um, those important things that, that are just way better at me than doing that. So that's probably, I think where I failed the most. Yeah. Yeah. I can empathize with that so much. I've done that same thing. Uh, cool. So Dan, where can people find Unitas? 
Sure. Um, so, well, we, we exist in 42 communities. We, we are kind of behind the scenes. So you won't really know about us if you're seeking services, but uniteus.com, we're hiring like crazy. We would love to hire veterans um, and their family members and it doesn't have to just be in New York, but we'd love to, to hear from folks. Um, follow us on Instagram, uniteusHQ, uh, um, and you get to see our story. We're, we're, you know, we're really fun. We're energetic. Um, we're obviously very mission driven and passionate in what we do. So, you know, follow our story um, because it's it's growing really fast and we're telling a great story about the change that we're making in communities. It's amazing, Dan. Congratulations on all your success. And I wish you guys all the best. Um, I'll be following you guys really closely. Cool. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate your time. Thanks. You've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network, the network that brings together inspiration, education, and startups and entrepreneurs around the globe. Tune in next week and every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Listen, learn, and get shit done. We'll see you guys next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.